Welcome back to the first episode of Spaceships about gene drives. Taking us where? That's the question for today. And for today, I have support from my fellow student and dear friend Wies, who is always my personal inspiration and the whole area of natural science, biodiversity, um, etc. And uh, yeah. Maybe, yeah, why are you so passionate about this? Maybe introduce yourself a bit so people know who I'm sitting with here. And Yes, yeah. thank you very much for having me on the podcast, Jule. It's a very fun experience. <laughs> um, I'm also happy to hear I inspire you in natural sciences and biodiversity. I myself uh, am very passionate and maybe slightly obsessed <laughs> with the topic. Um, <laughs> Because I see, I see a lot of value in nature. I love nature. I love um, just everything about it, so to say, and the potential that is still there. You know, all the undiscovered mysteries which it still holds, which are out there for us to find and, uh, and maybe can also help us with some of the problems we're facing in the future. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. That's very good to hear. So to give you guys uh, yeah, a small background of uh, why we ended up here. So it all started with uh, Wies sending me a petition um, that calls for moratorium uh, for gene drives. For those that don't know what a motor- moratorium is, it's basically calling for a halt in this whole thing. It also appears in law, but in this case, it's just basically um, saying, okay, we're going to stop um, with the whole progress in that area now to... to reconsider and assess so we looked into this and we wanted to do something about it and eventually we concluded it might be nice to do a podcast episode about it to just put this topic out there and uh, raise awareness around it and basically we're here as uh, two concerned civilians if i may uh, say that mm-hmm. um and yeah we just want to start the conversation about it and take you with us on a journey where we just introduce gene drives in general explain what they are explore the issues that are um arising around that and um through taking different perspectives and looking at it critically um, yeah, we want to start evaluating uh, what can we do with this idea and this whole invention. So let's get right to it. What are gene drives? Yes, that's a good question. Um, the <laughs> <Thank> name <you. laughs> sounds rather intimidating. No, gene drive yeah. sounds like a complex, Sci-fi scary yeah. technology. Uh, luckily, it's not. Actually, gene drives is a, you can say it's a natural phenomenon. No. Uh, how you can explain it is normally uh, if you would look at species which reproduce sexually, like for example, also humans, you can say your mom and your dad have both genetic traits mm-hmm. and these genes have on average a 50% chance of being passed on. So if your dad has green eyes and your mom has blue eyes, there's a 50% chance your eyes will be either green or blue, so mm-hmm. to say. What gene drives are, it is something which occurs in nature. These are genes which have sort of selfish properties which increase their likelihood of being inherited no so they're more dominant basically exactly Mm -hmm. so for example in the case that we just mentioned your dad had green eyes let's say for example there was a gene drive behind the gene that gave him these green eyes maybe all of a sudden you had a 90% chance of having green eyes rather than a 50% chance so that is something and it occurs in nature naturally but 
um, the context of gene drives that we are discussing today is, is the context of the recent development also in the area of CRISPR-Cas9, which is jargon I will not use again. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which basically you can see this as a tool you would also have in your in your word section, no? Which is to say, um, what what we can do with this is that is that we can take out part of the genetic sequence that we do not like. So how to how to visualize that? Imagine we have a story on our word document, no? Mm. Um, love word. Love word. Mm. Exactly, because we can do a lot with words. Yeah. And <laughs> the same goes for this CRISPR or Cas9 because the way you can see it, it's like so you have this story and maybe there is a part of it where you're like Oh, there's something missing here, and you know another story where you can find that. Mm. So you p- cut it out of the other story and you paste it into your one. Mm. You can also see maybe there's a part in the story that you don't like, and you know something better to replace it with. Mm. So you delete the part that you don't like and you insert something that you do like. Or the third option would be to say something like, "I don't like this part altogether. I'm going to take it out completely." So this is basically what what gene drives allow us to do in 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 organisms. No, we can say. We're taking out certain genetic traits um, out of the DNA. Out of the DNA. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty crazy, actually, that we can do this. It's a bit scary to me, all in all. But okay, so far so good. So yeah. this is the what whole gene drives are about. But what are we talking about more specifically? Like, how would these gene drives be applied on what kind of organisms? Yeah, I think. Um, Like what you're saying, it sounds a bit scary, but like it should also be mentioned how incredibly impressive it is that that's true. Humans managed to do this. It's really something. It's outstanding science. It's outstanding thinking work of the people who managed to develop this tool. Um, But yeah, of course, if we if we have a tool, we should know uh, what we can use it for. So something really fundamental about gene drives is that we can use this uh, on wild populations. No, so it goes beyond our farm animals, etc. The lab rats. The lab rats. It's something we can really use in the world, so to say, out there. Some of the things which can be gained from it is that we can change then the genetic composition of these wild species, which is something we've been doing in domesticated species for quite some time, but just in another way, because we've done it via selective breeding. So it's a longer process with mm-hmm. less significant changes, so to say, no, very minor. Then um, another f- very uh, big, big advantage of gene drives is, is their potential to uh, work against vector-borne diseases, such as malaria, dengue, or Zika. Vector-borne diseases are diseases that arise and they use like a host animal such as a mosquito to transfer themselves to humans, no? Mm -hmm. It's important to say here that the gene drive does not work against the virus or the bacteria because they only work on organisms which are sexually reproductive. Okay. So the gene drives works in the mosquito. So for example, Mm -hmm. either... In a region where you find a lot of uh, mosquitoes infected with malaria, you can say, okay, we're going to decrease like the population of mosquitoes here to uh, decrease the likelihood of people getting malaria. Yeah. Or you could, for example, introduce uh, mosquitoes which have a gene drive, which makes them resistant to malaria. So they couldn't pass it on. So it would have the the, the bacteria, but they couldn't actually pass it on to humans. Okay, that sounds great. That is something which is pretty great, especially when... 
because I think this is something that a lot of people don't think about, um, especially if you're not in contact with it yourself, which many of us in the north of the globe no, are not. We have no idea what's going on around no, the equator. Because yeah. there is, like, I looked it up before this to get some insights. Every two seconds, a child dies of malaria. And every Damn, year. That's a lot. 200 million people get infected with these dis- with this disease. So that's yeah. malaria alone. That's not counting dengue or Zika or like the other diseases. So that, that is significant. And, and what else needs to be taken into consideration is we may not be bothered with these diseases now, but uh, globalization and climate change are definitely going to increase the likelihood that we will be dealing with these types of diseases in the future. If the climate yeah. here is more suitable for the malaria mosquito, yeah. it will come here. Yeah, and maybe also interesting to say here, like, of course, in the region, regions where malaria is very present, the healthcare system is just not as good. So if you're a Dutch person, you're coming back from the tropics, you have malaria, you go to the doctor, you get treated if you see it in time. But you also have to consider in that context that the people that are mostly affected with malaria, they do not have proper healthcare. They might not even be able to afford the bus ride to a hospital. Yeah. So this is, yeah, of course, generally a very nice idea to go to the roots to say, okay, how can we go around this infrastructure issue of proper health care? Yeah. We just eradicate the disease yeah. itself, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. So it's it's really like, it's a clear point. This is one of the points which is mainly stressed about like the potential of gene drives. But again, I have to say it's the potential of, no, we, it's all theoretical and not something we know for a fact put into practice yet exactly some other major gains that can be obtained from working with gene drives is agricultural productivity can be increased Uh, one because we can produce crops which uh, have a similar output for less resources so we have to put less work into them and we get the same amount of food you can say like same amount of cauliflowers but less water put in no like this so less resources for the same thing very nice and also we can ensure that our crops are like less affected in yield or quality when a pest is introduced to the crop no so also increase their resistance against that and furthermore it can be used to reverse pesticide resistance which is a problem we're also dealing with now And lastly, gene drives, believe it or not, can be used for conservation purposes. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> so how would that work? Counterintuitive. Yeah. Um, but how how this works is also because of, of climate change and, and globalization, we're seeing invasive alien species. Also, a tough okay. term. Yeah. I, let me explain. It's basically, um, let's say I live here in the Netherlands and I and I uh, went on vacation to say south africa no and somehow maybe some seeds of some plants traveled with me in my luggage to the netherlands or some other way the seeds end up here and start spreading here Mm -hmm. because it's not from the dutch ecosystem it could very well be that the plant that i then introduced into the ecosystem spot here it doesn't doesn't have a spot it Mm -hmm. doesn't have natural predators or maybe like it doesn't have food sources so either it doesn't work at all but it can also taken away and it also doesn't really serve a purpose here no and mostly it can cause serious damage to the native ecosystem which is something which is 
it's becoming an increasing issue. Also, due to climate change and globalization, we expect to see more of this type of issue in the future. Now, countries like Australia, who are incredibly picky with when you actually get there, that you like really like they look at your shoes, and if there's dirt under it, you're not like you have to clean your shoes in like a place in the airport. So they make sure that you don't carry anything with you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's and the idea. Okay. So the yeah, the gene drives could be used to to eradicate alien species which have already been introduced into native ecosystems, which is of course also a major benefit that can be gained from it. Okay, but now maybe also we can look at the potential risk now. The first idea that I have now, I mean, like what is an invasive species here is a native speaker, uh, species somewhere else. So what if we have this gene drive who obviously doesn't, doesn't care about national borders, goes back to the place, you know, where yeah. the species is actually native and... Well, that's the thing, no? It's, it's, uh, that's the difficulty with gene drives and the many benefits that we can gain from it. Um, it, it is extremely hard to do field tests because like we say no once the gene drive is introduced it doesn't give a damn about borders it doesn't give a damn about what we humans want so it yeah. will like if there's a chance of it spreading it's incredibly tricky so there's a lot of issues with that so there's a lot of unknowns and one of the risks like we like what you're basically also pointing out is what could happen is that a gene drive is introduced in one species And that um, without the purpose or intent of that happening, it can go to another species, no? We don't know if that would happen, but it could happen. There's the risk. And, and let's say, for example, you put out something to target mosquitoes and it has an unintended effect on the bees. The bees are already threatened and oh, yeah. that, would be, that would be obviously problematic. And another thing is that, you know, maybe we introduce the gene drive and there is a natural mutation within the species which halts the drive before it can even do anything. Like, so this is the thing. There are a lot of like things that we do a not know unknowns. about introducing the gene drive into a, a wild population, into a wild or sort of natural ecosystem, so to say. And there's, is there, there's no way to model this, right? There's no way to like... No, because like, this is the thing, no, like we're talking about ecosystems. When we talk about an ecosystem, we're already talking about a model because ultimately there is no way for us to, to objectively capture the reality which is out there because the complexity is too high. There are so many things that we don't understand. I mean, nature has been building these structures that we see through millions of years of evolution and it would be slightly arrogant to think that we truly understand so yeah. there there so are a lot of it's unknowns. way too big for our tiny ba brains to actually grasp entirely what's going on in one ecosystem let alone the global ecosystem itself exactly exactly okay. and then i think some of the other risks that need to be mentioned about gene drives is is less relating the natural environment but more what what the effects of humans having these gene drives is um, many countries have their their food supply systems arranged in such a way that there are very tight control systems no so we know where certain things are coming from and we know the processes they went through, etc., etc. I'm not saying that this will happen, no, but there is the risk when we have gene drives that for countries which do not have such secure food chain systems... For example, the Global South, 
whatever. No, like yeah. it could be that if there is an actor who has harmful intents and who has the means to do so, he could, for example, introduce a gene drive into a country that they want to pressure into something, no, to mess with their food supply, for example. And so this it could is, be a, a way to blackmail. It it could be, yeah, yeah, it, or, or more. No, it's 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 quite terrifying like what this could be done for imagine like a country which is very dependent on mice for their for their livelihoods no and for their food supply imagine someone introduced a gene drive in their mice seeds which causes corn, them right yeah mice, mice corn, corn. It's, uh, the it's the same okay yeah. mm-hmm. but that causes the entire crop sort of yield to fill no this is this is an option that would be devastating for that such would, a country yeah. that it is that you that could be seen as an act of like i still war, wouldn't no? see how people can be so i don't know heartless to do this but well we have to face it i mean we also have nuclear bombs that were thrown yeah, I mean, on we're cities fighting so. cyber warfare and we're fighting all types of warfare uh information warfare etc so why biological so warfare is a, for it to be used very very wrong it can be used very very wrong and then okay There might be the consolidation that <clears throat> ultimately there is no uh, concrete evidence that it can be used to control human populations, um, which is a good thing. Uh, however, what does need to be taken into account is is the risk that, and it sounds quite arbitrary, but it sure is that people uh, who get in contact with um, a an organism containing a gene drive could have an allergic reaction, for example, no? Like, this is also something which needs to be taken into account. There are so many unknowns, and this is one of them also. So basically, if I would conclude, there are incredible advantages and huge potential, but there is at least the same amount of things we don't know and we might never get an answer to because there's just no way of us being able to try it out. Yeah. Okay, that's great. So <laughs> where does that leave us? Maybe like we have to put this whole thing um, into into context. So what we do know <laughs> is that we are in the sixth mass extinction. So there is an incredible amount of species dying out right now. But was, like, do you know when the last mass extinction was? Like, was it, it was the, the dinosaurs? Di- yeah. Oh, well, good job. <clears throat> um, we're back there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, maybe here also it's again good to put the whole idea into context that we have to see it in a systems context. We have to apply system thinking, system theory, especially when we look at ecosystems and ecosystem services. Yeah, indeed. And I think what you're mentioning are like a, a few very important things. Um, firstly, is this thing, what you're saying about the mass extinction that that. Uh, also for me personally is is an important consideration to make um if we look at the earth as an entire system so to say uh which which has certain functions and through these functions it provides certain services you know like there are certain processes going on in nature and as a result you know there's apples growing on trees that we can eat that is a but very for that we need the bees to, to actually you know pollinate we need the bees the to trees. pollinate the tree etc okay. you know so there's many things going on behind that and and um 
yeah, the the truth is we're not doing well in regards to nature. Now, like you mentioned, we're in the sixth mass extinction. There is an incredible amount of species dying due to human activity on the planet, such yeah. as the clearing of lands, you know, deforestation, pollution, climate change. You no, know, this is all like we are affected by it and we're aware of that. But, but there can are countless easier, of huh? other species affected by this, which do not have the same means of adaptation. Well, the very nicely picks up what you also said you know normally like a species adapts over many years throughout well if we do if we do it with domestic animals it's like yeah man-made but also like species adapt naturally to their environment but things are changing so fast there's no way for them to adapt so they just die and well we're kind of the fancy species here who has very much the possibility to stand against those changes For, well, now. So for now for now very much the question <laughs> yeah. very much the question yeah and i think within this context we need to go back to the point where we mentioned before is that we do not know what will happen when we introduce a gene drive in into into these ecosystems and to be fair um i mean nature is one of the best adaptation measures we have to combat climate change to combat some of the problems that we're anticipating in the future no? so it would time, be huh? really wise to ask ourselves are we willing to threaten the integrity of these systems by introducing these gene drives when actually there is so much value in there uh, which we might need later on that yeah. is an important question we need to we need to consider and and furthermore um, because we talked about One of the main benefits of, of uh, gene drives being the fact that it has a lot of potential to halt or eradicate vector-borne diseases like malaria. Mm -hmm. That is great, you know, and in, in the first instance, no one reasonable would see any objection to that, right? So why do we not want to save people? And that is a very good question to ask yourself. And if you would actually think about it for a bit longer... I'm not saying we shouldn't want to save people, but there is What also the a cost. Yeah, there's yeah. a cost to action. There is a cost to non-action. And we can compare this to the Green Revolution, which happened many years ago mm. when we decided to bring modernized agricultural practices to, for example, Latin America or Asia or developing nations back in the day. No. And and of course, at first it was great for these people that their food shortages were solved, no? But once that wore off, they realized, okay, now we need to deal with an infrastructure which does not support our population. We need to deal with resource scarcity because this is harsh to say. But the fact is that every child, which in that case didn't die of malnutrition, or in this case wouldn't die of malaria, this child would have right to an education, to food, to housing, to employment, and to all such matters, no? Mm. So we cannot say... It doesn't just, stop there. No, yeah. just because we cure people does not mean we did something right. No, again, we need to put it in a systems context and understand Bigger that picture, our action time. has both yeah. positive and negative feedbacks, um, which need to be considered. Okay, so that basically brings up the question, okay, how can we actually just this intervention regarding the risks and benefits and also maybe how can we weight it off against other maybe natural interventions difference interventions are not intervening at all so can we ever get an answer to this this is also a question and for now if we just keep on developing this is we cannot 
answer these questions because they need time, they need conversation. And this is basically also why this petition was, um, you know, called to life that people say, okay, we need to discuss this now. Because what's actually nice here is that we're at a point where we still have time to discuss. So here I would like to bring up the point or this general dilemma that we we increasingly face, okay, technology and ethics, how can we combine this? Because technology is developing incredibly fast. And we probably don't even have a clue of all the things that are going on in labs right now, which can possibly be very great or destructive, depends on whose hands they're in eventually, same with the gene drives. But yeah, there are a lot of questions we should ask ourselves, as you already said. So yeah prior to this like recording i also thought about a few questions and one of them was okay how do we actually evaluate these actions and how do can we put it in a context is there like really an urgency that would you know justify implementing them right now or is would that be unjust and what you also said i mean we're part of this community of life right we're sustained by nature we couldn't survive without food we couldn't survive without the air we breathe we couldn't survive without the water the clean water that this planet um you know provides to us so we're dependent on nature we're part of this community of life so how can we actually justify interfering into a system that we don't understand mm. and especially what terrifies me the most is like I generally really trust in the good essence of us humans but there is like we were proven wrong that like things can go terribly wrong so whereas also the line between okay this is great technology technological uh, development and where are the like where does biological weaponry begin um what would happen if it's in the wrong hands yeah so definitely um What are the opportunity costs? Because when we choose to do this, there are also other things that we choose not to do. Is this just? And also what you said earlier, then I was thinking, so we were very, you know, shy and tiptoeing around the fact to try this out on humans because we associate very, like, this is an ethical dilemma. Can we try it on humans? But why can we, like, justify to try it on other animals? I mean, I'm not a big fan of mosquitoes, but yet, you know, they're part of our community of life. So yeah. how can we actually say this? Where it's does it same, end? No, you like, know? This, is, this is ultimately the thing which, for me, is still the most striking illustration of the topic is, okay, as we mentioned before, there are currently no indications that it can be used for human population control, luckily. But what if it could? Because this is factually what we're saying, you know, like, okay, it's a mosquito, so maybe we don't care so much about the mosquito. But it doesn't matter, like, what we are doing. Imagine we would say, for example, a country which is highly divided, where all of a sudden the government says, you know, actually, this minority is starting to cause problems for me. It's starting to bother me. What if they would have such a tool and do something like that would we be yeah. okay with that and basically that's what we're doing through these other animals as well right so we devalue them in that sense that we justify okay it's okay to to intervene that way yeah. right so yeah. i mean like maybe for people that are not connected to nature might feel like okay those two girls are crazy right now but if you maybe really try to distance from it and just really consider us as part of this community of life 
where we should we all have a right to live right and i think this is not like different from human to another animal because it fulfills a part here right it's part of a system Definitely. that works and i think like people like because of course we are nature lovers and this is how we have come to this conclusion but i think it's also regardless of your personal relationship you have with nature it may be a relationship you have with something else but ultimately the people need to be asking themselves is can we and should we take the responsibility to make these kinds of decisions because yeah, yeah i mean population control is an intense word you know and you should not yeah, decrease it's, its meaning because we're talking about mosquitoes we're still talking about population control and the thing is we probably won't stop there right you know that's the thing no we we, we, we want to go higher and I faster mean, that's and it, better right and so the technology is now there and it can be used for human well-being so to say we can use it to fight diseases we can use it for this and that but what if in a moment we can decide oh you know i actually have quite a lot of money and i would like my child to do well in school or i would like my child to be very pretty you no know? like oh, wow, that blows my mind now this is yeah, sci-fi <laughs> no but these gene drives yeah. like of course and uh, the again, potential it is, is there. a tool yeah. it is a tool which is now there science has developed it it is there and and what you're saying is we currently we have the position yeah. to have a discussion about this and we need to we yeah. absolutely need yeah, to yeah because with this power that we have comes also yeah a huge responsibility we yeah. should be aware of and What I'm also thinking now, okay, what, what kind of values do we stand for? So maybe we don't do it initially, but I think if you look at actions, you, if you look at them closely, you see certain values that underlie the whole procedure. So yeah. what kind of values would we promote with this? Considering the whole picture, right? So like, of course, the value is there. We want to save the life of children when we look at the malaria context, but also, okay, that would also mean that we are willing to take the risk to disrupt the functioning of entire ecosystem services, which might, you know, cause a food shortage for the entire African continent. You know, just to have an example. Yeah, I don't know, like this is... It's still really hard for me because we we look at all these from different all these different angles and for me it's still really really hard to actually make up my own opinion. Yeah. Um And now I'm also wondering how can we agree on something globally because as you brought up earlier, um, if we have a mosquito, it doesn't give a shit if it's in uh, Sudan or in Ethiopia or in South Africa. It doesn't care. So what if South Africa wants uh, gene drives and Tanzania says, oh, well, no, thank you. How do you solve this problem? And this is also yeah, why we need this discussion and this yeah. needs time and consideration. And well, everyone should be included to yeah, make it actually... Debate yeah, public like debate is like the ultimate. Because exactly. this is, again, it's like, it's not it's out of the scientific arena it's out of the political arena i mean this is something which is going to affect everyone and and it needs to be a public debate because what you're saying is also true it's also a matter of values it's like uh, yeah the responsibility that would come with this and it's not just up to policymakers or experts to make a decision about this this is a collective decision of yeah. all people who inhabit this earth because Frankly, it's going to affect us all if we well, start doing this. Well, this is a beautiful this. thing, right? Because there we actually see we are all connected. This really nicely shows this community of life. Because it doesn't matter where you live, you will somehow be affected by this. In case we really put it into practice. We use it on one population. So, yeah. 
okay, well, now uh, my head is pretty full and this is a lot to digest. Um, so maybe we also try to let it smoothly run out now, Joel, to give uh, everyone who's listening right now a bit of a break. If you're still there. <laughs> if you're still there, go strong, we're almost yeah. done. But... Um, well, now we go to get to the point where it's about opinion. And, um, well, science does not tell us what to do. What we should do is a matter of opinion, mm. I heard. So, <laughs> um, where does that leave us? So, we try to highlight a bit the scientific releasing okay what does it do how can it be applied what are the risks what are the benefits yet in between all this information and even after considering all these questions that we just talked about now we still have no clue what to do but um we can start making our opinion about it which of course is based on certain values so my question for you now is like what what is your opinion about this so what do you think after yeah, getting in touch with that topic. Yeah, I I find it incredibly difficult. To be honest, when I first when I first heard about it, uh, I, my opinion was quite clear. But when I started to read more on it, of course, there's there is a manifold of factors which we need to consider. You no, know? like who am I to say that that if we have the means to stop a child dying every two seconds we should not take that chance because of course when yeah. you tell me that i also think we need to do that but on the other hand and this is where it ultimately becomes clear to me is like uh, man you know we're talking about this fighting malaria and malaria coming to this region and we're talking about the alien species and that they are spreading and we're talking about Pesticide resistance, for example. And pesticide resistance is where I will illustrate this. Why are we now having a problem with crops being pesticide resistant? No, it's because many years ago, science gave us a tool, which was pesticides. Look, if you can use this, you can use it against certain insects. Back then, it also had applications, for example, for malaria, no? But ultimately, it went into the free market. It became a good that people used. And look where we are now. Yeah. Pesticides have had up. all these yeah. consequences that no one wanted for them to have. No one intended for them to have. Yet they caused massive issues that we have to cope with now. And to me, good personally... A toxin is a bad thing, but editing the genes, messing with the evolution, that is like a completely different order of magnitude, no? Yeah. To wrap it up, we would be doing it in natural systems. And in my perspective, considering all the problems we have already created for ourselves, nature is our only hope. It's the only thing we do have. I see as a potential solution is mm. to give back to nature, to let her do her thing and to let her manage herself. Mm. And I find it too arrogant and too ignorant to think that we are in a position where we can take such stewardship and such management about nature. Yeah. Well, that's pretty clear. <laughs> um yeah, and also I, I completely see where you're coming from. Um, for me, it's really like I'm honestly 
I'm not sure if being scared is an opinion, but otherwise, anyways, I'm saying so, like, I'm just scared that it will do more bad than good, because, I mean, like, well, there's never, like, certainty is really an illusion, I think this, you know, pandemic really showed us there is pretty little certainty, um, in everything we do, we, there are so many things we cannot predict, but I also, yeah, agree with you in the fact that we do have to value nature and its rules and we're taking the whole thing to a different level when we start rewriting DNAs and even though it can have great effects uh, well we don't know what kind of like I mean every every great medicine can have side effects and you don't know whether they occur when they occur and in which intensity they occur but there is always this possibility and the question is can we manage these side effects will these side effects still justify the use of it and yeah what i also see is just i feel like we're so much out of balance um and i'm just wondering whether there might be a better way to tackle these problems and um yeah that we don't yeah move even further away from somehow finding harmony between like our technological advancement in that sense or possibilities and nature itself i do believe that there's a way to work hand in hand i don't say we should all you know turn into cavemen again and you know um collect berries and no, you know eat herbs but we should be critical of using like technical solutions to solve the problems that were created by using technical solutions yeah we shouldn't cut off the branch we're sitting on that's what i want to say we should be very careful to not disturb the systems that nurture us which natural system do nurture us and we might forget it because we get our food in the supermarket and we have tap water which is a great thing but you know it does come from somewhere and we have to make sure that these sources are also there in the future okay so what do we want to give you, the audience who was so bravely listening to us, you know, ranting about things and questioning things? What do we want to tell you? What do we want you to to take from this and think about? I think really the main message that we have tried to give, I mean, we've tried to stay objective. Sorry, that did not always work. But the main message ultimately is that you do not take on what we say, but we have hoped to inform you at least a little bit and we hope that 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 you are inspired by this and that you that you do feel that this is going to affect you and that that this is something that's going to affect us all and in in order to have a say in how we're going to proceed and how we're going to continue i think we want everyone who has been listening to this to just no, what's think going about on. what's going on, man. Yeah. Know what's going on. Think about what's going on. Think what your opinion is. Talk to your friends. Talk to your family. Make sure that they are informed. Ask them what their opinion is. I mean, it's a highly complex issue. And yeah. we don't know what to do with it. But we need to make sure that we're aware of what's going on. And yeah. that we don't let it escalate without us even knowing it was escalating in the yeah. first place. So that we really, yeah, that we can also use our voices, but in order to use them, we also somehow have to have a clue of what is going on and, yeah, just to critically assess what's going on. And I think you can also, like, this is a blueprint for everything that's going on, right? You know, you should look at it. And again, like, we try to use a bit the mix of ethics and, you know, scientific facts, but we just want to encourage you 
look at the science which describes what's going on but eventually what we should do is a matter of opinion mm -hmm. um, and it depends on the values that you promote and we also just want to encourage you to become aware of which kind of values you promote and to also maybe look at yourself how do you act what kind of values do I promote with this and do I actually want to stand for those values so what you can do after listening to us talking about this overall issue is you can sign the petition that kicked off this whole idea for us um, you will find a link to this in the input info paper that I um, upload together with this episode. Um, as Vies also said, talk about it with your friends, talk about it with your family. This is a great, great opportunity to talk about something else than Corona. Mm. Uh, we're all pretty sick of it. So uh, just throw a new topic in there. Yeah. And um, <gasps> a bit lighter. <laughs> Gene drives. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, and uh, yeah, just um, if you if you're interested and inspired by this, just check out the sources uh, we provide you with um, to to help make up your mind, um, figure out what's important to you, and use your voice. So yeah, to answer the question, Gene drives taken us where we have no clue, but um, it is up to us where it goes exactly. and. Yeah, thank you so much for going so strong and listening to us and uh, following this discussion. If you have any ideas how to make this better, um, if you have any ideas what other problems could be tackled within this podcast, please put it in the comments. And uh, otherwise, I think there's not much more to say then. See you soon. Uh, keep on thinking, stay critical, stay positive, even though that's a pretty cliche thing to say these times. Anyways, take care and... You're from a soon. Bye. Bye.